what's up, everything? Well, our panic levels are, for one thing. It's been a horrible week for the Blues, starting with an unconvincing victory over the lifeless Coyotes, followed by increasingly embarrassing losses to the Islanders and the Flames. We'll discuss where the panic level should be ahead of Thanksgiving, and we'll talk about what the Blues need to do to right the ship. As always, we'll touch on new Blues and league news, and much, much more. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! everybody this is the two guys no cup podcast as you probably already know uh my name is steven ground i'm with ian peters who what is up? also here <laughs> how's your day going this evening that's good i'm looking forward to thanksgiving break from work yes i don't have a thanksgiving well, i guess i do but you don't celebrate I thanksgiving don't have as much work going on so I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't believe in giving thanks. That's why I figured. I think it's kind of a waste. He's heartless. Yeah. And he hates the vets. I do. I hate. I hate veterans. So the whole month of November is just, just, just not real mind of a ground household. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it has been kind of a minefield for uh, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, look at that transition. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about the Blues and all of their woes and struggles from the past week. But first, we do have a couple of league notes to take care of. Uh, One thing I wanted to touch on briefly, uh, just because I just saw this, I think it happened last night, right? The Red Wings and Flyers, Mm -hmm. or was it Tuesday night? Red Wings and Flames. Yeah, Yeah, Flames, sorry. Uh, But yeah, in any any case, uh, the Red Wings trounced the Flames pretty badly. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, eight to two, after they trounced us. Uh, apparently, they used all their scoring on us. But in any case, uh, there was a brawl that started around a player named Luke Witkowski, who I don't know a ton about for the Red Wings. I assume he's a third or fourth liner. You look, um, you look scruffy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in any case, he uh, he is now suspended for ten games. Uh, the reason for that is uh, he was ejected from the game after what didn't look like an out-of-the-ordinary kind of brawl in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know, for a game that out of hand. Uh, Although a little strange that the winning team was seemingly initiating some of the fighting. But, um, yeah, he was ejected officially, got the game misconduct, and was sent off the ice. Um, And he took literally like one step down the tunnel uh and Matthew Kachuk uh the son of Keith Kachuk and uh young star forward for the Calgary Flames uh basically slashed him I mean he's you know he stick tapped him just to just to troll him a little bit and uh Witkowski took the one step that he'd taken back onto the ice and shoved uh, Kachuk like once and then basically walked off Mm -hmm. down into the tunnel. Uh, The reason he was suspended is because of Section 70.6 of the NHL rulebook. We're getting specific. uh, Which which reads, Any player who has been ordered to the dressing room by the officials and returns to his bench or the ice surface for any reason before the appropriate time shall be assessed a game misconduct and shall be suspended automatically without pay for the next 10 regular season and or playoff games. Uh, This to me is a situation where the NHL read and enforced the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. Mm -hmm. I think when that rule was written, it was much more concerned with the Mike Milbury types of the world (laughs) going back to the dressing room, pouring back a few and coming back out to start a brawl. (laughs) Uh, No, uh, I'll do respect to Mike Milbury. This guy was basically not off the ice at all Mm. and was provoked and came back. And now the Red Wings uh, are without him for 10 games. And more importantly, he's without... 10 games of his salary, which is 
12% ish mm-hmm. and probably not a small loss for what I assume is a third or fourth line player on a entry level contract. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, you saw the footage, uh, probably even more of it than I did. What did you think of that whole ordeal? It was fun to watch. So that, <laughs> that was fun. Um, yeah, like you said, Wikowski sort of just took a step off the ice and then back on after Kachuk sort of tapped him, slashed him on the back of the skates. That's one of those things you're going to get from Matthew Kachuk because he's just an agitator. An agitator with skill, but an agitator. Yeah. I think uh, Kachuk ended up getting something. I don't know if it's if he's under review. I think you said he was under review or they're looking at what Kachuk did mm-hmm. in particular. I know they gave him a game misconduct and a spearing penalty. Mm-hmm. And he definitely didn't spear Wikowski. It was more of a slash, but regardless of what you call it, it was something that he probably shouldn't have done. It was fun that he did do it because it led to pretty much a giant line brawl. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't quite, you know, a, it wasn't a bench clear, and it wasn't quite anyone just yard sailing it on the ice. But it was fun to see Howard come over and sort of give Kachuk the business. And then I guess whoever was in goal for the Flames, Smith, I'm assuming, came over and they kind of had words. And it's the most I've ever seen two teams go at it in a long time in a league that doesn't really fight, period, anymore. Yeah. So that was kind of nice. Um, I don't know. It made me want Matthew Kachuk on our team more. <laughs> ever <laughs> we, ever since he got drafted by anyone that value. wasn't us. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's been, man, I just wish we had him. Yeah. But he's definitely carved himself out a little agitator piece. I know Drew Doughty said something, I think, last year about how much just how annoying he was and how he hated having to play against him. And I don't think it was necessarily a compliment, like, oh, he's just, you know, nose of the grindstone, hard to play against. It was mm-hmm. definitely like a dig, like, I hate this dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you expect from a Kachuk, so. They yeah. say, they call him Little Walt sometimes, and that doesn't fly well with me. I don't think that's no. that's his nickname at all. Because, like, that's not, I don't know, it's not, like, the same. I no, don't, I don't just because that's his kid. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing... The one thing that I feel really strongly about this is the the league needs to stop kind of trying to stand in, in both circles of the Venn diagram, if you will. <laughs> they need to decide if they're a league where fighting is allowed or where it's not allowed. And I think they've been trying to walk this line too long mm-hmm. between, you know, the, the really diehard old school fans who think, you know, bare knuckle brawling should be a part of every game over against some of the new age fans who are more concerned with, you know, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, zooming up and down the ice and scoring finesse goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I stand probably in the middle of that a little bit, which I guess is what the league is trying to do. <laughs> uh, in terms of, I don't think there, do, there does not need to be fighting every game. Um, but I think there's a place and should always be a place for physicality and for standing up for your teammates in the NHL. I think that's one of the unique things about hockey that you don't see in other sports. And I feel like this is a, I mean, this, nothing, there's no real argument against the suspension because it's a very clear, uh, you know, enforcement of the rule. But at the same time, are you going to allow your players to stand up for themselves, stand up for their teammates when people are basically taunting them or mm-hmm. trolling them, you know, or are you not going to? And I think that's something the league is going to need to continue to identify and solidify as they move forward uh, in the coming years. They need, they need to let fighting back in this league. Yeah. From, th- from an entertainment standpoint, it's it's... Just how I feel. If they don't and they go the way of even further and say, look, we're banning fighting. You fight, you know, it's a suspension. Mm-hmm. I don't want to... I'd be disappointed, but I, like you said, I'd be cool with it because at least they've figured out what they want to do. Yeah. I just hate this thing where, yeah, like you said, someone, a player trolls another player, and then because you go to, in to defend, it's counted as, you know, sort of like a goading penalty. You're like, yeah. oh, you can't go in there. Yeah. So that second, they always talk about the second or third person in thing, which mm-hmm. I always have thought was just kind of arbitrary and fake. You yeah. Know? Well, they had it happen, um, I think, in the Calgary game of where the Blues played Calgary with Sunquist sort of standing up for Yaskin, who's getting mm-hmm. pushed around, and then Sunquist got four minutes for roughing. The horrifying thought of being attacked by Oscar Sunquist. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean it's just it's it's all over the place. It's arbitrary what they do and don't enforce, mm-hmm. 
uh, similar to the goalie interference calls that we've had some controversy yeah. with these Let's seasons. Let's all remember Robbie Fabry, uh, you know, kind of tripping over Corey Crawford's skate, and then Corey Crawford just oh, deciding yeah. to just manhandle oh Robbie Fabry, <laughs> and then Robbie Fabry got the penalty, yeah. and that was it. Yeah, that was the worst call I've ever just seen. Just let him fight and toss We ended up winning in. that game, didn't we? That's the only way I think that I haven't, like, we must tweeted uh, at the NHL every day since then about <laughs> that. Uh, I looked it up just to close this discussion out. Luke Witkowski is making uh, $750,000 uh, over two years, which is uh, fantastic money for any of us normal people, but is not high-end NHL money. And a 10-game suspension uh, roughly will cost him $94,000. Uh, which is a whole lot of money, even for someone making seven hundred and fifty thousand a year. So it's very unfortunate mm-hmm. to see him lose that. Uh, I assume there's something in situations like that where the team can help mitigate things a little bit, maybe. But um, give him some uh, gift cards to Aldi or Little Caesars. Since they play <laughs> oh, the Little right. Caesars. Or <laughs> you just like free Little You're Caesars. You're gonna get seventy-five extra most bestest pizzas. Oh, um, that's okay. Yeah, I would turn it down. <laughs> take this because that's it. fine. I'll just go. I'll just go hungry. <laughs> so, uh, other things to keep in mind: Nashville's on a five-game winning streak, uh, and the Winnipeg Jets are also surging to challenge the Blues a little bit in the division. Uh, are you especially worried about either of those teams? Obviously, Nashville beat us in the playoffs last year, and we're the uh, Western Conference champions. Uh, but I'm not. I mean, I knew they'd be better than they were, mm. or at least I assumed. I'm not crazy panicked about them being in that position necessarily. Yeah. I worry about Nashville the same way I worry about like the sun eventually like going out. <laughs> it's going to happen, but like whatever. Yeah, right? <laughs> Is that how you're supposed to think about it? Um, I think that's exactly the idea. I yeah. just know that Nashville is there mm-hmm. and... I don't know. I can't even remember what our season series against them was last year. But, I mean, it doesn't really matter. They beat us in the playoffs. And maybe they'll maybe they'll do it again. I'm just kind of resigned to them being a good team, I guess. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, it's one of those things where i just rather see them be a good team than the Blackhawks or something. I'm yeah. a little more torn on the Jets. Maybe it's just because they have Line A and uh, Shifley and, who else, Ehlers. Mm-hmm. So they've got, like, a pretty decent team. But I, something about Canadian teams bugs me. I think it's because they're just up their own butt. If they were the Atlanta Thrashers, we wouldn't be upset oh, at all. But. a thousand percent. <laughs> it's so weird. It's something about Winnipeg and their, like, tiny little stadium and their little fun chance. tiny little city. Yeah, and they're like, you know, it's just Winnipeg up here. I'm like, right, Winnip- I mean, get out of here. For those of you that don't necessarily know, Winnipeg is the equivalent of, like, if you put an NHL team in Columbia, Missouri, pretty yeah. much. It is, a, like... 200,000 person town, maybe, which granted is bigger than than Columbia. I think, yeah, but it's it's the meth capital of Canada. Well, so is Columbia, Missouri. All right, I guess you're right. You're Uh, a thousand percent. But in any case, sorry if you can hear my landline ringing in the background. There's no mute button for those, (laughs) Uh, nor is there any desire on my part to own one. I think part of the thing with Winnipeg for me is that we they 5-0'd us last year in the season series, and it always seems like they're one of the few teams that plays the Blues like really physically and mm-hmm. can like outmatch them in that. And I don't know, something about that I guess just bugs me. Yeah. The actual population, when I said 200,000, actually it's 700,000. So you it's just only like off three by three and, and a half. half. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, not yeah. a million. I think small. The, I think the thing about Winnipeg is they're they're worrisome because they have all that talent, and we've always known if they could get it together on the back end a yeah. little bit, they could be dangerous. I guess you're right. I see them but, as more of like a real threat. Yeah. Nashville can beat us in the playoffs, but I don't think, despite Nashville making to the finals last year, I don't think Nashville's winning a cup. Yeah. But like Winnipeg feels like a team that is like still one or two pieces away and just like takes off. Yeah. And like the Blues are just in the dust. Super gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so moving on, uh, the Blackhawks kind of suck. I think. Hooray. I don't know. Better news. Uh, they are sixth or seventh in the division right now. They're really not doing well. I mean, their points aren't horrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tough division, but boy, I don't see things. 
the, uh, I exaggerated a little. They're fourth right now uh, with 20 points. What's uh, the record? They're 9-8-2, and two, so they have technically a losing record, which I know nobody says that's a losing I was record. Say, I will saying, die on this. Hill. I agree. I was going <laughs> to say, we don't do the thing where... If they're nine, eight, and two, that's not a that's not over five hundred. Yeah, sorry, exactly. I get you got more points. I get in the standings, and you can make it in the playoffs, but that's gross. Yeah. you lost. You lost more games than you won. If just you're flat not, out. If you're nine, eight, and two in the playoffs, you're eventually gonna be eliminated. Yeah, get so. out of here. Unless you're like, yeah, not you know, yeah, you're just out. Yeah. So, um, they have seven fewer points than us. But they have three more points than the Avalanche, which really puts it into perspective. <laughs> they're a lot closer to the bottom than the top. Have the Avs been falling? Uh, I thought they were yeah, doing they're pretty not, well. They're doing all right. I mean, they're last in the division. It's a really good division. Uh, this division just so good. Yeah. Coyotes have seven points. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe... I think the uh, Coyotes haven't won a game in regulation, in regulation yeah, yet. That's horrifying. <laughs> 20 games and we're now... Yeah, it's the first time. It's a league record. Yeah. Uh, what a what a record oh. to hold, do. They've also got the, the Coyotes. Everyone in the league has... A, everyone in the Western Conference has at least one game in hand on the Coyotes. Oh, my. And several people. The Sharks... And uh, the Sharks have four games in hand, and the Knights and Predators and Jets and Wild all have three. <laughs> so, not looking good. It's look at they're stalling for Dolan. I was about to say, stalling for Dolan. Uh, and finally, just a, a quick update. Mike Camilleri uh, for, uh, was signed by the Kings, I guess, in the summer, and was traded <laughs> to uh, the Oilers for in exchange for UC. Jokinen. Was UC the one that was a blue for like eight seconds, or was that Oli? It was Oli. Oli Jokinen. Roly poly Oli. Yeah, UC is the one that I always think is spelled like T-J-O-S-H-E. I think it's mm-hmm. U dot C dot Jokinen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, you can spell UC in a weird <laughs> Finnish way? Finnish. Yeah. Uh, so, from that, we will move on to blues news. Uh, we will, I want to start with some sad news, but I thought it was appropriate to discuss uh, just because of the, what hockey's trying to do this month anyway. But we learned this past week that uh, Ariana Dugan, the girl that kind of stole the hearts of St. Louis Blues fans, uh, who's struggling, who struggled with leukemia and uh, went on the road trip with Vladimir Tarasenko and the team, uh, passed away last week, uh, lost her battle to cancer. At the age of eight or nine, maybe ten, mm-hmm. um, I just thought I'd mention it because I think Blues fans really rallied around her, and the and the team really rallied around her, and she was very sweet. Um, and there's not a lot we can agree upon as a society right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of a lot of debates and anger in the world, but we can all kind of agree that cancer sucks, and so uh, the. The NHL is doing their Hockey fight, Fights Cancer Month, which they do every November, which mm-hmm. is the month that it is. And uh, if, if you feel compelled to donate uh, in memory of Ari or anyone else that you know uh, that has bat- battled with cancer, as we all know somebody, um, please uh, go ahead and do that. And I think uh, the family is doing the hashtag uh, spread Ari's love if you have stories of kindness uh, that reflect her, or spread Ari's light, actually, uh, that reflect kind of the way she approached life. Uh, She was a really sweet girl, so it was a sad loss. Um, So we thought we'd update you on that. And then moving on to uh, the hockey side of things, which in light of that is much less important, uh, it was a really bad week for the Blues. There's no way around that. Uh, I think we'll start with just where where is the needle on your panic meter at this point in the season? We are 20, 19 games in. We're doing extremely well, but three really bad losses. Well, a, a win against the Coyotes <laughs> and quotes. two really bad losses. Uh, what are you feeling right now? I think I'd like to preface this by saying that I'm a super downer when it comes to this <laughs> team. And that 
I, and I know that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a... I'm middle of the ground panicked here. I'm elevated, if you will. I think because our it's been more of a defense thing. Something about if we don't score a lot, mm-hmm. I know we can. You know, I know that scoring's there for us in terms yeah. of who who we have uh, as forwards, even as defensemen this year, how much they've been scoring. But defending is a thing that maybe it was me watching the Wild, but that the Wild had problems doing. It seemed like under Mike Yo. Now, this is, like we said, just a three-game stretch, mm-hmm. and we defended pretty well, actually, or not too terribly in that Arizona game. But these other two games, we've just kind of looked out of sorts. Yeah. And it's been bothersome. It has looked a little wild-like to me. Like I said, I've watched a couple more of those games and maybe some other people or mm-hmm. some other Blues fans. And time out there, yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping he's able to get them kind of reined in it kind of looks like from the games from those couple games that it's just missed coverage it's Mm -hmm. being all anxious to get out of their own zone and they just can't chip it by people in the neutral zone and it reminds me a lot of that florida game the panthers game these last two where they were just really good in the neutral zone clogging Mm -hmm. them up for the blues and the blues just look super duper frustrated and i don't know if i've seen a game change you know i've seen lines change but i don't know if i've seen um, you know, a counterattack to their counterattack, mm-hmm. if you will, which is kind of a problem under Hitch, too. But hopefully that's not the case. Like we said, it's a really small sample size. Yeah. But it's been a little worrisome, especially that Calgary game where we'd go, we'd have it tied, they'd go up by a goal, we'd immediately answer back, which always felt really good, and then they would do the exact same thing, you know, <laughs> just deflating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to debut uh, a brilliant graphic uh dreamed up by you and created by your father who mm-hmm. is a graphic designer uh and with which i had nothing to do at all <laughs> uh except excitement uh which is the blues panic meter it goes low guarded elevated high and severe so you have to see this it's it's quite fun uh check it out on our twitter at two guys no cup uh all with just letters yeah. and no numbers but, so i'm at a, i'm at an elevated yeah. which is a frowny doug armstrong <laughs> Uh, and I think that's appropriate. I think um, the thing that concerned me most this past week, more than any of the game results, and maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill here, but uh, the Blues tilted real hard after the Islanders' loss, mm-hmm. and uh, Mike Yo decided that Bo Bennett was going to start on the top line, and they were going to break up the Tarasenko Shins uh, stat. Schwartz, so some many one S's. of the S's, uh, just go through the Rolodex in your head of which <laughs> S it is. Uh, line to put Bo Bennett with uh, Schwartz and Steve Shin and Tarasenko down on the line with Steen and Stasny, uh, which didn't make any sense at they, all. They eventually switched. And it. then they switched Bo Bennett back down to the third line in the middle of the game, and then they switched him back down to the AHL today. Uh, but... As one uh, Blues fan on Twitter, Danielle, at Blues fan, M-Y-R, described it, it was very reminiscent of the Hitch Itch, which, as we all know, Ken Hitchcock could not stick with a line, any line combination for more than maybe two games Mm -hmm. if it was red hot. He would just switch them all the time, and it, it didn't help for any unity for the team. Uh, I think this is hopefully just more of an anomaly. Maybe uh, maybe it was, you know, somewhat uh, Yo trying to reward Bennett. Maybe it was trying to send a message. He doesn't do this a lot, so I'm not too worried about it. But, boy, when I saw that, I was just like, yeah. And we're not – we're recording before this Oilers game on this Thursday night. Yeah, it'll be starting and, here in a half an hour or and so. And so they haven't – they didn't call anyone up. They mm-hmm. only have processors. They're only scratched because PRV's in. So okay. – I know that looking at the AHL lineup that Blay was doing really well mm-hmm. down there. I think Barbershev was doing all right, but I would expect or hope that... Oh, my that, God, Barbershev. I know. I, <laughs> I would kind of hope that Blay comes back because yeah. he didn't look great in his, like, two or three games, but they also he only gave him... very much of a chance. Yeah, though, they yeah. only gave him two or three games, and I think he's shown he can play up here. So, I don't know. I'd like to see him up if they're yeah. calling someone up from I agree. AHL. That'd be exciting. Uh, and I think the other side of this coin is... Uh, 
what if I told you, as, as I wrote in the notes, uh-huh. uh, Joey Palazzola, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, at Palazzola underscore R-T-N-P-A-L-A-Z-Z-O-L-A, uh, <laughs> said on Twitter, I noticed this before we uh, started recording, he said, it's November 16th and the St. Louis Blues are first in the Western Conference. Bo Meester and Bergwind have yet to play a game, and Jaden Schwartz, Vladimir Tarasenko, and Braden Shen are three out of the top uh, ten in points in the entire NHL. Uh, when you think about that, and if I'd told you that on October 1st or September 15th, mm-hmm. uh, after, you know, after the Fabry injury especially, um, I think we would have been ecstatic with that. You mm-hmm. add to that that Alex Petrangelo is sixth amongst defensemen in points. Um, I think it's a pretty pretty good place to be in. Uh, and I think also, if you uh, said that Tarasenko, Shin, and Schwartz would be in the top 10 in the NHL in points by this point in the season, and then you added to that that Tarasenko would be last of that group, mm-hmm. uh, you'd be pretty excited. And I think it's I, I have it at elevated too, only because I think if we have a convincing win against the Oilers tonight, it's right back. I mean, like, it's not low. Mm-hmm. We're a little concerned because it was a really bad week, but it's a big jump back down. You know, it had taken another really terrible loss to have it jump higher. Mm. Uh, so with that, do you have anything more to say before we get into the recaps? Oh, no, I think what you're saying about the Oilers would be a big win just for the Blues period, and you could probably try and take some of that away by saying, well, the Oilers have been crap this year. But they just came off like a huge victory over. I don't I can't even remember who, but Golden it was, Knights. Yeah, it's like and seven their to two goalie or fifth. I think yeah. eight. I think they scored eight. eight. Yeah. Yikes! So hopefully we can hold the fort tonight. But yeah, I think if we beat that kind of Oilers team, we'll be kind of good to go and yeah. poised for a nice little run. Maybe. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so moving on to the three games we did play this week, uh, we played Arizona on Thursday, Saturday, yeah. some, Thursday. someday, Thursday, it was after <laughs> we recorded, uh, and uh, this was kind of the start of the slide, I think, really, because Arizona, as we mentioned earlier, is very bad, has not won a game in mm-hmm. regulation so far this season, and we tried to let them get their first, um, but we did not, so... Uh, the first period saw no scoring, and the second period opened with Joel Edmondson scoring his fifth goal of the season, assisted by a real grown-up assist by uh, Chris <laughs> Thorburn. Uh, not just a luck play, it was no, actually luck, a really luck. nice play by Thorburn. And Shin with his inconceivably 15th assist. Okay. Um, and then Brandon Perlini tallied uh, two Back-to-back, the first assisted by Anthony Duclair and Kyle Connaughton, the second by Christian Dvorak and Oliver ekman Larson. And if you don't know any of those names other than ekman Larson, really, who could blame you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking as I was writing this recap, I was like, I feel like I know hockey pretty well because, you know, they only put the last name on most of the scoring sheets or, you know, the last name in the first letter. And I knew like 90% of the first names. And I was like, on the Coyotes, that's pretty impressive. (laughs) Uh, So the uh, Coyotes went into the second period intermission up two to one. And it was really not looking good (laughs) at that point. I I really did think we were going to lose. Yeah, the team was a mess. Um, Luckily... Thankfully, Alex Petrangelo scored his seventh of the season, uh, kind of in the midway point of the third, right? It was about 10 minutes or yeah. so left. And Tarasenko uh, and Yaskin got assists on that. But we were not able to tally a winner in either uh, regulation or overtime, which the three-on-three overtime was madness, as I remember. <laughs> and uh, it went to a shootout. Uh, the shooters were Shin, who scored, uh, Clayton Keller, the Chesterfield native uh, who Hutton turned away, Tarasenko, who totally missed the net, 
uh, Derek Stepan, the Hastings, Minnesota native, mm-hmm. pulling that out, <laughs> who uh, Hutton turned away, and Alexander Steen, the somewhere in Sweden native, who scored the game winner. I wonder if he was uh, born in Winnipeg. Well, that's a good point. He might have been. But he says he's Swedish anyways. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, he would. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just think this was a really bad, it was a really ugly win for the Blues. And uh, the one before that against the Devils, was that who came before? I think so. Uh, wasn't especially pretty either, I don't think. But we ended up out shooting that team pretty heavily. Yeah. I don't know. That one felt like more convincing in the end. Yeah, I just I think there was a little bit of a downward trajectory. It wasn't just like a falling off of the cliff, you know? True, true. Uh, but in any case, um, we did outshoot the Coyotes pretty heavily, uh, 38 to 29. And uh, I don't feel like we outworked this team. The problem with the Coyotes is they just have so little talent, really, up front. And that's not, you know, they're all much more talented than me. I'm not trying to speak out of school or anything. But they're just really a team that is in the middle of a long and probably misguided rebuild (laughs) And they're just going to have to do it again. Yeah, I mean, it's just a bad situation in Arizona right now. Do you think when they do it again and rebuild, well, that are they going to be rebuilding in Arizona? No. I, I can't imagine. There's no way that team doesn't move. This is, I feel now like we've talking, been saying this for, like, forever. I know, that's true. I The one thing we I failed to mention in the opening news is the NHL met with the owner of the Houston oh, Rockets right. this week to discuss uh, a team possibly either moving or expanding to Houston. Uh, the NHL is really aggressive about uh, relo- or not relocating so much as expanding right now. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine, you know, they've got uh, now Houston, uh, Quebec City, mm-hmm. we know, and Seattle are all really interested in teams. Um and there are other markets. Kansas City has a nice arena. Um, I'm sure there are other markets that have some interest or have Hartford, I know, has interest again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just I don't know how you keep a team in a city where they can't decide on the stadium situation. Mm-hmm. They can't get any fans there. It's a desert sport. They couldn't, they couldn't tank in time to get Austin Matthews to come home. <laughs> And I just, I don't, I don't know. I feel like they aren't long for this, that city. But then again, I felt like that five years ago. That's what I mean. So. I, I constantly feel like every year it's like, just get it over with. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll track that. And uh, we may know more by the end of this year. One thing I was just thinking is if they did win the draft lottery, they would have uh, two Swedes locking down their defensive core because Dolan is Swedish, mm-hmm. as is Ekman Larson. I was wondering if uh, they'd so do something cool. silly like trade OEL. Yeah, like, we got I mean, Dolan now. That poor guy deserves to be traded. But, I mean, when, I wonder how many games he's won in his career. It's got to be like a shockingly low number. I yeah. bet it's not 100 yet. No. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> boy. Uh, some of the other storylines, it was cool to see uh, two St. Louis-born players. I said St. Louis Blues players, uh, but that is not the case. They were St. Louis-born Coyotes players. Uh, Clayton Keller, who, of course, was drafted in like six overall in last year's draft. He was the first of that group of five from St. Louis drafted mm-hmm. and is having an incredible rookie season. It's probably their best Runaway frontrunner for the Rookie of the Year right now. Um from Chesterfield and then Dakota Mermis, who's a defender and much more of a like third pairing defender, kind of mm-hmm. grinded his way to the NHL. But he's from Alton, Illinois. So, so two things, both related to that. Yes. Okay, so he's from Alton, Illinois. Mm-hmm. First of all, <laughs> I work it. I work with so many people that like are live in Illinois, uh-huh. and I guess just because I only went to high school here, I didn't go to college here, so my my social group is just in Missouri, but mm-hmm. I'm always wondering, like, whenever we have a local sports hero, mm-hmm. I swear half of them are from, like, the St. Louis area, and they're always in Illinois. Jackie joining Kersey. And, yeah. and I always think, you know, that's that's the St. Louis area, mm-hmm. but that's Illinois. That's a, that's the other state. Yeah. I've still, I for some reason, I don't know why I'm, like, trying to get them away from my city. <laughs> we should, the city Get out need, of here. The city needs as many stars as it can, but I'm always like, well, why can't you be from over here? Uh-huh. And secondly, 
Do you think this guy, Clayton Keller, says he's from Chesterfield? Uh, no chance. I feel like. But he must because he's listed as that on the NHL.com on Chesterfield. page. So if you're like, are you from St. Louis? Like, looked, well, Chesterfield. I looked at that and I was like taken aback to see it listed as Chesterfield. <laughs> Is it wrong that I want these Illinois stars out of our city? Yeah. But I'm yelling at this Chesterfield kid to be yeah. like, you say you're from St. Louis. That's, <laughs> it's ironic, at Look, least. I, I'm I picking feel, and choosing. No, but I feel the same way. Like, if I, if I were to become famous in any respect, or even if someone just, you know, if I moved or traveled somewhere and they were like, where are you from? I would certainly say St. Louis, Missouri. I would never say Baldwin, Missouri, <laughs> you know. So uh, maybe he's very proud of the Chesterfield Hockey Club and its upcoming new I guess. hockey facilities. but. Yeah, it was interesting, but it was good to see them debut. Mm-hmm. And the other, the final point I wanted to make is that Carter Hutton looked uh, really good in this game. I Again, forgot he played, yeah. He's looked uh, incredibly good all season in pretty much every start. And he's actually, I was looking at some of the goalie tables, um, he's second in the NHL uh, amongst goalies who have started f- or played five or more games Uh in goals against and save percentage, that's obviously skewed, and five's a pretty low number at this point in the season mm-hmm. to include non-starters. But it's still, it's not nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, he's had really great performances. The other, I mean, the flip side of that coin is, is that in five games, one bad one really, you know, would yeah. totally drop you out of that conversation. So uh, that was interesting to see. Um, and we'll talk more about Allen uh, in especially the Calgary game. Uh, but we are going to let you, since it was such a smashing success last week, uh, we're going to let you do the rundown for the Islanders game. All right. No, no, you've gone too far. Uh, I'm taking it. That's <laughs> enough. You've said your piece. This was an interesting game. This was a game that looked better. I think it was the best of the three, oh, it and it was a loss was. Yes. of all things. This is the one where on uh, the first period... John Tavares scored pretty quickly. It was a breakdown of a play. It's one that if we did some sort of blog or some sort of, I knew how YouTube worked, <laughs> I'd love to do some sort of like breakdown of how this all happened because it's Edmondson and Preco behind the net, behind mm-hmm. the Blues net. And I don't know who the other Islanders player is that's kind of jostling for the puck with Tavares as well. And it kind of leaks out to Tavares and he skates back around in front of Allen and kind of takes his time at the bottom of the circle to shoot. And then this whole time, Joel Edmondson doesn't take a straight line to him. He uh-huh. decides to go behind the net and then across in front of Allen to get to him and then doesn't know whether or not to block the shot or take the body. So he kind of just flails. Mm. And that's all right. Always the best choice. <laughs> yeah. Steen takes Bailey. Bailey's streaking in. And so Steen takes Bailey for the pass. And then Stasny's just kind of there. <laughs> And I know, I, I know what he's probably there for. Uh-huh. He's in close, but he's supposed to be guarding, I think it's Letty, who's like the point guy. Because he might skate in and be the free guy, the free guy open. But Letty's way out there, and it's 2020, you know, it's hindsight, but it's just kind of Stasny kind of watching and doing a weird sort of like back and forth, like, mm-hmm. do I go, do I not go? And then they score. But yeah. it's just a weird, like, you could play that. That circus music over it as it happens. <laughs> I think the thing, too, to take away from that is that you really... John Tavares is the player that you want to give lots of space to. Yeah. You know? well, that was the thing. They're kind of like... They all kind of decided to block the uh-huh. shot. And I was like, you're re- he's really in close. <laughs> I think the goalie will do that Like a, at this point. You don't need to take away the lane. There's yeah. no lane. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird one. But like you said, John Tavares is just kind of that good. They let him dust it off. So... <laughs> But um, this was this was a the first period was a little rough. Stasny uh, almost had one in the back door from a few from Saboka, but Grice got over just in time to stop it, and that was a pretty impressive save. And then right after that, the Islanders come flying down the ice, and Casey Casey Sazikas swats a rebound into the backhand past Allen, and it puts the Islanders up two zero. And that's that one. That was the first of two times, yeah. too, as you'll say, I'm it's, sure. But. It's a hard one to swallow, but that one's a little weird, or I don't know, a little more forgivable of a goal. It's Casey Sezika, who I thought was an older guy, but I guess he's 26, so he's not that old. Um, just out-muscling Dunn for the rebound. Mm-hmm. They're both kind of going in parallel to each other, and I think he pretty much puts Dunn on his butt. 
and scores. You'd kind of want to see Allen get that because it's right around his glove, but it's also on the backhand and like right in front of his face, so mm-hmm. it's it's a hard one to read. Yeah. And like you mentioned a little later, uh, Stasny is Grice down and out, and I think Grice stops it with his stick. Mm-hmm. And then literally within 10 seconds, it's a two-on-one, and Pareko tries to take away the pass and sort of, I don't know, it just goes over him. They manage to get a saucer pass over his stick from Ladd to Everly, and mm-hmm. Everly scores, and that's 3-0 real quick. Yeah. I feel like we mentioned this to ourselves during the game and maybe even on Twitter, but doesn't it feel like the Blues are entirely incapable of scoring when a goalie is just out of the picture. <laughs> like It's amazing how often some goalie's just got his face on the ice yeah. <laughs> and we're just like peppering his back uh-huh. or whatever. I'm like, why? Or like that when we went uh-huh. to the game against the, was it the Flyers, mm-hmm. when Neuvert was in the net unconscious or whatever <laughs> and we still couldn't score. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry. No to, you, no, to your point, I, I remember thinking that for the, was that the Toronto game where <laughs> Allen gets turned around and he's facing the crowd <laughs> as his numbers are towards the players. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, are we going to get away with this? And uh, they scored on us. Like, of course they do. We can't yeah. do that crap. Yeah. The other team is full of talented players. <laughs> um, so the second period, uh, the Blues looked a lot better. But it didn't start off that way mm-hmm. by any means. That was a Josh Hosang goal assisted by Quinn and Letty. And he scores less than four minutes in the second period, which is a great way to deflate your crowd. Really An good. already deflated yeah. crowd. It's a really good comeback from yeah. the 3-0 deficit. It was just a really bad job of the Blues trying to clear the neutral zone and couldn't get it out. Um, Quinn, who's got the primary assist, was covered by Saboka, and he tries to backhand it to what looks like, I think it's um, Anders Lee on the on the sort of a doorstep behind Allen, mm-hmm. and it manages to deflect right to Hosang, so you kind of have three Blues players also confused as to where it went, and mm-hmm. Hosang manages to kind of find it first and get it past him for the 4-0 lead for the Islanders. Interestingly, just as an aside, that was Hosang's first goal and Quinn's first assist of the season. No, so great. Just kind of embarrassing. <laughs> It was Luddy's ninth, though, so no, at least that counts old, for something. Old hat. <laughs> so the, after this 4-0, or after this fourth goal, um, Yo pulled Allen mm-hmm. and put in Hutton, which I think this is, like, the perfect time, which I know sounds kind of like, of course, like, that's what he's going to do. But what I mean is that I'm glad that they didn't pull him in between periods. Mm-hmm. That seems like a very... Uh, Ken Hitchcock thing to do. Yeah. I'm glad that they put him in and that Yo kind of shows some confidence and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try and let you battle back and get this win, which is funny to say because then when it goes in, it's like, well, we need something. So we're going <laughs> to put in Carter Hutton to sort of, you know, jolt the troops and everything. And that was, uh, they, we sort of looked good after that fourth goal. That's when we started really peppering them. Uh, Shen got a goal, assisted by Schwartz and Dunn, and it was just a really, really nice wrister. Mm-hmm. And it was a great play by Shen, just physically. It was one of those where he's looking looking defenders off of him. He's pretty much looking at Schwartz the whole time. And mm-hmm. then right when he shoots it, he glances at mm-hmm. the net. So he kind of opens up a, a shooting lane for himself. Uh, the the rest of we didn't... It's, that was Dunn's first assist on the season Oh, was well. it? Yeah. That's right. He, only, he didn't have any before then. He had the two goals. Mm-hmm. That was, that was kind of it for the, the second. Like I said, we peppered him a lot. There weren't that many. Actually, I tell you about it, there were quite a few penalties. There were seven penalties, three for the Blues and four for the Islanders, mm-hmm. and none of them resulted in any sort of power play scoring. So that was a, a little interesting, maybe not from our side. I mean, our power play is not so good. But <laughs> I thought it was a little different for the Islanders. We outshot them 14-12. to 12. In the third period, we went at the Islanders real heavy. We outshot them 11-5. Upshaw got a goal that I still don't know. Like, by what means it went into the net. Mm-hmm. He just kind of charged at the blue paint when it was loose and kind of knocked uh, four different Islanders. I think it was Hosang, Seidenberg, Mayfield, and the goalie mm-hmm. kind of out of the way. And there was no good angle that I saw where it, it, he didn't kick it in, but I don't think he got a stick on it either. He just kind of ran at it, and mm-hmm. it moved into the net. But that really uh, got the crowd going. It was 4-2 at that point. We looked pretty good again, and then it was another really close, um, I think it was a Yaskin ended up hitting the one off the post, and then the Islanders came back down with a little bit of a sustained zone time and uh, managed to get one in past Hutton for the mm-hmm. 5-2 lead, and that was the end of that. It was 
a game where you think maybe puck luck, puck luck would have helped us a little. But Thank you also, <laughs> but you don't want to rely on that by any means, and you can't really blame that. You'd rather that we not have just an atrocious first period. <laughs> so, and yeah. with that in mind too, another thing I saw was that. Saboko was a minus three on the night, and Steen and Stasny, his line mates, were a minus four, and Preko and Edmondson were also both a minus four. So mm-hmm. they didn't really have a stellar first by any means. That yeah. was uh, that was a lot of the blown coverage by them. I saw a few of them, Stasny namely, at least on one back check, just dogging it. <laughs> but he might have been yeah. minded. I don't know. And He's that, an older man. That, that line, uh, I think Stasny and Steen were a minus four on the game. Mm-hmm. And so that was another part of the reason of breaking them up and putting Tarasenko on I that suppose, line, a little yeah. part of the tilt. But I never put a lot of stock in plus minus unless, you know, there's more to it where you see him dogging it, which maybe Yo did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a slow start that we've kind of been having prior to that. Yeah. And it finally ended up biting them in the butt. Yeah. I think, though, I don't want to interrupt you, but I no, think. Uh, two things I would say before we move on to the next game. The first is, as you mentioned, I do think this was the best of these three games, mm-hmm. counting the win um, in terms of our effort level and our organization and everything. You look at those two goals uh, that they scored in the first period, basically immediately after brilliant scoring chances for the Blues and really high-pressure scoring chances. And, you know, if either of those flips then it's 4-3, and maybe not even that, because you don't, you can't imagine, you know, the mm-hmm. momentum of 2-1 or 1-1 going into the f- first intermission is totally different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think, you know, you never, I would never finish a game and just say puck luck for the most part, but I do think that was a big factor here. And the other thing, I just, I just want to rave about, uh, Braden Shen for a minute because <laughs> I feel like we've talked a lot about Schwartz mm-hmm. and Tarasenko is kind of just assumed, but the acquisition of Shen I heard I think it was Greg Wachinski on the local radio today actually being oh, really? interviewed yeah huh. he does uh, fairly oh, regularly ESPN on the now. Kevin Wheeler show and now he's on ESPN but he'd done it with Puck Daddy oh he too. did oh, okay yeah but in any case uh, I think he called it or someone else I said or heard recently said it was the acquisition of the summer and I don't think there's a lot of argument with that he's like seventh or eighth in points mm-hmm. um he has f- only five goals uh, which his fifth was I think you just said in this game mm-hmm. uh but he'll finish the three games we're talking about with just an absurd 17 assists in 19 games mm-hmm. uh 23, 22 points across 19 games. I mean, he's just... This has probably got to be his hottest start. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got such a great chemistry with Shin, or with Schwartz. Um, mm-hmm. He's got really great chemistry <laughs> with himself, uh, or his brother. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't want to, you know, blow it out of proportion, but I think it's it's funny when when we signed him, or when we traded for him, a lot of the talk was, well, can he perform on even strength? That's totally been answered, Mm -hmm. I would say, convincingly already. Uh, The other question was, you know, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a goal scorer, but is he really a playmaker Mm -hmm. with five goals and 17 assists? I mean, admittedly, his line mates are pretty good, but I think (laughs) that's a pretty convincing argument. Um, and then, you know, can he really play center? And I still wouldn't say he's the prototype of a number one center by any stretch. True, I'd agree. Um, but especially, you know, I think if we keep Stastny or we get someone else on that level, we're really looking at that kind of 1A, 1B, you know, or or 2 prime and 2, <laughs> you know, subprime or whatever you want to call it. Alpha and beta. Where we don't have... We don't have as good a first center uh, as some teams, mm-hmm. but our two, you know, our top two centers are better than most teams other than the, you know, McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl sla- or Crosby Malkin situations of the world, you know. So I just wanted to rave on him a minute. I think he's been phenomenal, and I'm really excited to see what he keeps doing. Uh 
Did you have anything else you wanted no, to say about that say, game before? I was just going to say he didn't do squat in the Calgary game. But no, the whole team didn't. He, didn't. he did get an assist, but yeah, he didn't do much. Um, two assists, actually. Not to, not to take away from what you said. I was trying no, to do a transition. No. It was very poor. <laughs> it was an F-minus transition. Uh, but I would give your game recap a, a strong, a sterling B+. Plus. B+. Plus. <laughs> I got an A-minus last time. Yeah, no, it was an A-plus for sure. Your, your, uh, your level of detail on the goals is putting me to shame. I'm so, so I'm glad. I'm that, but. That I don't get grades on things anymore. <laughs> That's <laughs> My true. grades were fine, but like it's still nerve-wracking. Yeah. Now people at work just go, good job, and walk away. And I go, sweet. <laughs> uh, not a good job by the St. Louis Blues. So much better. For, A-plus transition. <laughs> I've had a little more work on it, you know. For uh, the Calgary game that took place on Monday evening. Mm-hmm. I know, I um, forget what it was, too. <laughs> but I wanted to forget. Uh yeah, I mean, this was just a mess, especially in the third period. Uh, Vlad looked really good. He scored mm-hmm. two goals. His first was just a wicked wrister that kind of came out of nowhere when, I mean, neither team had really done much to that point in the game. It was early in the first, um, and it was kind of from the high slot, and he just banged it past Smith, uh, Pareko, and Stastny assisted him. Um, and then uh, Mark Chanskowski embarrassingly <laughs> scored two <laughs> Uh, in a row, which has been kind of a theme. We're letting random, like, third-line guys score multiple goals in a row. Do you know who that is? I don't know who that uh, is. Apparently, he's the son of a Blues scout or grandson or something I, they mentioned his last name the game, rang but, a bell, but I was like, why um, do I know that? Yeah, but other than that, I don't know. The first was assisted by Kachuk and the second by Yager and Bennett. And we'll talk a little bit more about the um, specifics of the Flames goals in a minute because we're going to talk about Alan. Uh, at the end of this, but we'll just go through the scoring. Uh, Schwartz tied it up before the second period uh, with his 10th of the season. Steen and Shen assisted that one. Uh, do you remember the details of that goal? Because I just watched it, and I remember nothing about it. Jane Schwartz. Goal. I watched the recap right before we sat down. I literally don't. But I don't, don't. remember. So you it must scored, not and it was been, great. Yeah, it must not have been, you know, particularly, uh, you know, eye popping or anything. But um, one of the things I was really fascinated to realize that I obviously knew when I watched the game, but hadn't really tracked when I looked back was there was no scoring in the second period. So of the 11 goals, they were scored across two periods. Um, And I think that was a situation where both teams locked down defensively, but Mm -hmm. the flames locked down more defensively as we will see. Um, after that, Sam Bennett scored his first of the season, uh, assisted by freaking Jankowski, uh, who was his first assist of here. the season. I, it's interesting to me on the 19th game of the season to see a goal where everyone was doing their first of that thing of the season, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but in any case, this was kind of an interesting little section because twice the Blues answered really quickly and really suddenly and kind of unexpectedly to Mm. Calgary goals. Um, It was good to see the Blues have kind of that killer instinct that they don't usually um, and catch Calgary on their heels, but the problem was they kept letting Calgary do it (laughs) to them too. Uh, So Steen uh, got his second of the season for uh, assisted by Stastny and Edmondson. Uh, That's Alex Steen's eighth point this year. One, four of them were in one game, so it'll be interesting to track where he ends up. I know this because I was disgustingly considering dropping him from my team for on my fantasy team for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's having a very good season, uh, but I did not yet. <laughs> so moving on, <laughs> Michael Furlan then scored. Uh, this was this was just like the whole score. The whole period was just a back and forth. bevy of scoring yeah. and back and forth until it didn't go forth anymore. For the Blues, <laughs> but uh, seventh goal assisted by Gaudreau and Brody. Um, then Tarasenko. This was the one that was really just like immediately pretty mm-hmm. much skated up and just Tarasenko had one pass Smith. Uh, for his seven, this is a one timer too. Yeah, yeah, of all things, which he doesn't score on. I think he scored his first one time goal like this season, yeah, maybe they early last about season it. or yeah. something. Yeah, uh, but that was his tenth. Excuse me, and Schwartz's fourteenth and Shen's seventeenth assist, which is just absurd to read at this point in the season. And uh, 
Jankowski just got his first. Yeah. They're yeah. really outpacing that kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he would be on our second line for sure. <laughs> uh, and then the the real backbreaker was Christopher Stieg's goal, which we'll talk about being the one that was uh, the ugliest from Allen's perspective. Uh, scored his third goal and uh, just kind of a, a clean shot. And uh, he was assisted by Brower and, and Lazar. I never feel comfortable. Curtis Lazar, Lazar. Like to do Lazar. Uh, like Cesar, yeah, I, I don't know, that, that doesn't sense. help. And then Johnny Goodrow scored the real dagger, 7-4. to four. Uh, 7, not 7-4. to four. That was the final score. That was also the goals that Goudreau had and the number of assists that Giordano had. And then Froelich scored what I think was an empty netter in hindsight, but maybe it wasn't. I yeah, it was, because it, it was. wasn't on Allen. Um, I missed this. Was it immediate after we pulled Allen? It was pretty quick. Of yeah. course, yeah, of there course was it was. not a lot of resistance. Um, so, yeah, we talked about the second was scoreless. Vladdy looked real good. Uh, one of the things I wanted to address is I saw a lot of people blaming Jake Allen for this loss on Twitter, and I just wanted to address that because I think it's absurd. I think I think <laughs> we can have a conversation about how uh, Allen has been doing this season and have an intellectually honest conversation about that and we should probably address that next season when the the or next week when the dust has settled <laughs> a little bit and maybe the, hopefully the heat the temperature level has reduced uh but and he does he currently sits 18th amongst goalies that have started played 10 or more games in save percentage and uh 17th in uh the other one goals against average. <laughs> we'll say he's so, doing okay. Yeah, he's not terrible. He's not great. But these goals were largely more of a defensive breakdown than uh, a you know goalie mm. failure, which you can partially see by the fact that he was never pulled, despite the fact that it was you know six goals mm-hmm. while he was pulled at the end as the empty net. But um, yeah, the first goal was a kind of a wobbler bouncer that just bounced to Jankowski in the middle of the high slot, and he just shot it past Allen. Uh, it looked like Allen was maybe partially screened, uh, but this was one, arguably, he could have stopped, um, but was certainly not, you know, an easy, cheap goal mm-hmm. by any means. Jankowski got it pretty much into the top corner. Um, the second was just really poor... Um, <laughs> The three of our players were circling uh, Yaramir Yager. Understandably, pretty good player, uh, but he was kind of behind Allen over his left shoulder, and then he just sickly dished it to Jankowski in front of the net, who had all kinds of space to just kind of backhand, yeah. fronthand around Allen. And I think, was this the one where, I think we were watching it, it's Pareko. Pareko pretty much should be the one defending mm-hmm. like the back door, yeah. and... He's Yager gets falling away down, just a little to, yeah. bit, and he skates at yeah. Yager, and it's like, oh, your guy's gone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Allen looked kind of silly because he got deked by Jankowski, but there's nothing he can do. when. I mean, it was pretty much a penalty shot by the time <laughs> Yager got it to him. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Edmondson or somebody was, like, diving from behind uh Thor or not Thorburn? It might have been Thorburn, but Jankowski, mm-hmm. uh, their Thorburn, <laughs> to try and stop him. But there was just not a lot of hope. Uh, the third goal was a ugly turnover at the line by Gunnarsson. Damn it, Carl! <laughs> and uh, and then there was a screen on. Uh, Allen actually made the first save, and then there was a rebound that he didn't cover, but that there were two defensemen that didn't. Uh, clear either, and then Bortuzzo screened him entirely on the rebound, and Allen never saw the puck, and it was behind him before he knew where it was. So also not his fault. Uh, the fourth goal, there were two guys closer to Allen on the rebound than any Blues player. Um, That's always good. And you can talk about rebound control, but very rarely if it goes off your pad can you just cover it immediately you know i mean mm-hmm. it can't it's not under your glove if it's bouncing off your pads so if there are two guys there boxing out your defenseman there's no hope um and then as as i mentioned the fifth goal which was arguably the backbreaker the one right after the tarasenko goal mm-hmm. uh was largely on allen it was a pretty soft goal from um it was pretty far out 
It was kind of a soft shot from pretty far out. But at the same time, it didn't really go through Allen. He just didn't mm-hmm. have the positioning. Um, and then the final goal was totally embarrassing for the Blues defense. <laughs> uh, Goudreau and company skated pretty much three circles around Allen, like literal circles around him. And then I think the third was like he went to one side and then came back to the other side mm-hmm. and scored. But, there, I mean, the defense had just given up at and that I, point. I think before that circle, those circles too, I think it was like a really crappy failed clear. Yeah. That was one of those ones. I think that was the one where I saw them keep it in. And I was like, I know for sure that, that they're, they're going to score. Yeah. You can just feel it. Yeah. And, I mean, none of that is to belabor the point uh, necessarily. But I think... This is probably true of all fan bases, but it is especially true of the Blues fans who have never trusted in Jake Allen, and I am culpable as much as anyone else. So I'm Me not. Well. I'm not judging anyone, but it is far too easy, and it's actually uh, poor form to just blame the goalie for a loss that is the whole team's and especially the whole defensive core's mm-hmm. fault. Um, and the problem with that, part of the problem with that is if you don't hold the right people accountable, they might not be as prone to change. Now that's, you know, they're more concerned, I'm sure, with Mike Yo's opinion and Steve Ott's opinion, which is weird, and uh, all their coaches' opinion than they are with any of ours, mm-hmm. and they know whose fault it was. But there's no reason to pour undue pressure on Jake when it's really not his fault. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of softer goals in that group, but there were several of them where he just had no prayer and no goalie had any prayer. And there's only four teams in the league that have a Bobrovsky or a quick or, you know, Mm -hmm. a price. Um, I just hate when people go for the, they try and go the uh, quote-unquote high road. And they'll uh go, well, even on some of those ones where he had no chance, you just like to see if he's a, NHL level goalie, you know, make, you know, make a spectacular yeah. save on that one. It's like, yeah, but I'd also like, I can use that for any player. Yeah, and I think the th- the thing that's more frustrating with Allen, or at least has been, is he is very capable of making the spectacular mm. save, and then two shots later he'll let in like a weak one. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we doubt his ability to make that big save. If you see a pattern of weak ones that's where you've got to be more concerned. And mm-hmm. I don't think we did in this game. And I just don't think, I don't think that's the game to blame Allen. There are exactly. probably games. We, we've seen games we can blame <laughs> him for. Like you said, we've seen games where it's just week goal after week goal. Yeah. So to look at this game and think that's the same is kind of hard for me to yeah. swallow. Yeah, exactly. I, I just wanted to mention since I looked it up and I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, the top five goalies in the league in save percentage that have played more than 10 games are all at .93, and four of them have exactly a 2.32 goal against average. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, But yeah, I just, I think this was a whole team effort, if you will, (laughs) to lose this badly. Um, Alex Petrangelo said the fateful words in a post-game interview that we have to look it's time to look in the mirror, which it's never good to hear. What Blues game player, number player are we on? That. Nineteen. This right. tonight will be twenty. Oh, and we're we're only like a quarter we're, of the way through the season. We're already looking, looking in the in mirror. mirrors. Uh, but let's save that gem for the seven game losing streak. Yeah, uh, but um, we will persevere, I guess, even, <laughs> even while looking at mirrors. Um, how can we know if we're real if our eyes are or whatever whatever Jaden Smith says? Something about your eyes and mirrors not being real, so how do you even know who you are? <laughs> I don't know. Pikachu talks in the new movie. Everything's wrong. <laughs> Darth Vader costs forty thousand Republic credits. Yeah, if you want to listen to this podcast, it's gonna cost you an arm and a leg. Because <laughs> EA said we had to Yeah, we have to pay to win, pay to win while listening to this podcast. Someone needs to email Doug Armstrong, pay to win. And then the list of players he needs to start looking at in free agency. <laughs> Pay to win, strategy. Doug. There Pay to win. Go, Doug, put, put all those uh, microtransactions. <laughs> For Braden Shen to score a goal, please pay $10. <laughs> yeah. Start swiping that card, Doug. <laughs> uh, yeah. For those of you that aren't attuned to that, there's a lot of controversy about the new Star Wars game. 
that we are both going to buy and enjoy quite a bit. Do you feel wrong? Part of me feels wrong for buying the game. And part of me feels sh- bad, I and part of me but, yeah. feels very righteous. Very righteous. <laughs> like, part of me, the part of me that's like, oh, the whole video game community hates this, I it will probably suck, is, like, very tentative. Uh-huh. And the rest of me is like, screw these nerds, <laughs> which I'm a total nerd. So like, I'm buying the Star but, Wars know, game. It's kind of like, these guys are a-holes. Um... Pikachu also speaks English in a new movie, and it's terrible. Yeah. So there's that's that. That's just not, uh, that's not appropriate. He's never spoken <laughs> English before, I mean, and now he is. Other than Pikachu, which is... I, is that English? No. That's Pokemonese. Yeah. I don't know. The world is upside down. Um, Stranger like Things is upside down. We're just rambling at this point. Hey, how about a tweet of the week? We there didn't do we one did. last week, so I'll give you two. Uh, Greg Wyshynski wrote an awesome, the aforementioned, and the first two-time winner of tweet of the week in our six. He gets <laughs> a wreath around his neck. He wrote an awesome article about uh, Jaden Schwartz and kind of his his story, um, especially with you know losing his sister Mandy to cancer. Uh, which Blues fans are probably well aware of by now, um, several years ago, and kind of playing in her honor. But he also, there's a lot of fun stuff in there about uh, Darren Pang calling him dumb funny. Uh, You should read the article and find out uh, what he's talking about, and we retweeted that. And then I'll also give a nod to uh, Joey Palazzola, the aforementioned, for giving us a little hope by pointing (laughs) out that it is November 16th, and we are in first in the Western Conference, and three of our players are in the top 10 uh, in the NHL in scoring. He's our light in this darkness. He sure is. Uh, by the way, the uh, two of the other top 10, un- unsurprisingly, are uh, Kucherov and Stamkos. So half of the top 10 in the NHL are on two lines, <laughs> which is kind of scary. That's the cup think. finals, baby. And one of them is, for some reason, Phil Kessel. So... He's number four. Is he the which, one who's carrying that yeah, Penguins Yeah, I guess so. Which was mediocrity? Which was encouraging because I spent way too much money to keep him in a fantasy league this year. So with all of that uh, clogging your brains, hopefully you turn this off just right after we finish talking about <laughs> the Flames. Uh, we're we're going to just become increasingly a pop culture podcast. Look, every half time. of and, this is going to be about Pokemon yeah, from now on. Yep. Uh, you're getting the new game. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. It's oh, inevitable. Yeah. You can tell us about the Pokemon that look like toasters and the ones yeah. that look like bookcases. <laughs> they the love ones their inanimate that look objects. Like college professors. <laughs> Not just Professor Oak, but you can catch them. You can catch them. That's true. Wouldn't, they'll probably make him. They'll probably make a Professor Oak Pokemon. Let's just give them antenna. Yeah, and exactly. then you're down. You're down to clown. Uh, so until next time, when we talk about all that, uh, we'll keep you apprised of the uh, recording situation next week for Thanksgiving. We aren't going to skip. I don't think we will probably record on Friday. Yeah, that's uh, probably but, the best guess. But uh, if anything changes because of the holidays, um, if we do have to, have to skip, it's un- unexpected. But um, I hope you will understand because it's a fairly major holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so until next week, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe we'll talk about... Uh, what we're thankful for for the blues and for other things uh, next week, even though it will technically be the day after Thanksgiving. It's never a bad time to give thanks. Saint Thanksgiving. As opposed day. to what I said at the beginning. <laughs> Is this your joke? You just put Saint in front of it? That's not a joke. It's what the holiday is about. It's about Saint, Saint Thanksgiving's <laughs> Day. Uh, exactly. Uh, so, with that, uh, we will tell you all about Saint Thanksgiving next time. And until mm-hmm. then. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <See ya. laughs>